Hello, and welcome to another DBSA podcast. This is episode number 104. Wow. This is an interview with Kat Mayo from BookThingo that I did while I was in Australia recently. We talk about blogging, books being made into films, Australians that I would like her to take back, and she refuses, though I tried. America, I'm, I'm trying, I promise. I also want to say hi to Stephanie, who is an Australian librarian that I met at Romance Writers of Australia at the book signing, who is probably listening to this in her car. Stephanie, you are on the wrong side of the road, and you're on the wrong side of the car, too, so please be careful. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. I'll have information at the end of the podcast as to who this is. And I am happy to tell you that this podcast is sponsored by Signet, publisher of Hillbilly Rockstar, the sexy new blacktop cowboys novel from New York Times bestselling author Lorelai James. I'll have more information at the end of the podcast about that book, too. One more thing. We are taking a week off next week. I hope that this doesn't leave you bereft and miserable, but we will be back in September. And now, on with the podcast. All right, so introduce yourself to the lovely people at home who don't maybe not remember the podcast we did two years ago. Yes, Can you while you were eating. Two years ago? Were you eating crocodile pizza? No, we were looking at crocodile pizza oh. on the menu, but we were eating fries, chips, with sweet chili sauce. Oh, that's right. Which I had never had before, and I was like, what is this amazing thing? Have you had it since? Yes. Although the whole thing where you get charged for condiments here bugs the shit out of me. Do you? Like, no, you don't pay for extra ginger and extra wasabi and extra soy sauce or extra chili sauce or little cups of ketchup. No, but did you get charged here? No, but in, like, other places I've gone to get food, like, all the little condiments are extra, and I'm like, what is this? But yes, I love sweet chili sauce with chips. Yay! It's just now starting to show up in my grocery store. I'm very excited. You're an Aussie now. I know. <laughs> so I'm Kat Mayo. I vlog for uh, BookThingo. Which is um, like the most Australian name for a blog ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, you know, it took us maybe five minutes to decide we wanted to do a book blog and yep. then half a year to decide on the name. Uh, yes. It's the <laughs> yeah. hardest part. It's the most important and most stressful part of starting the blog. Yeah. But BookThingo, extremely Australian name. Yay. <laughs> well, that's the intent. Yes, of course. We had some other candidates, but everyone else vetoed them. <laughs> so is it still you and all of your crew, or is it just you? Uh, it's me, and there are seven of us now. Wow. Um, but our problem is a lot of um, the, my co-bloggers are uh, doing academic study. So when they're on exams, they're on exams at the same time. Of when course. their papers are due, they're all due at the same time. And so... The strategy of having many bloggers so that we can cover the peaks and troughs of people's reading, um, reading moods doesn't work doesn't when they're really all work. on the same schedule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty Dude, much. Yeah. So, what are you reading right now that you think is pretty awesome that you wish more American readers knew about? Melina Marquetta, Melina Marquetta. Oh, yeah, but you know, I think American readers know about her already. I think her movies. So, on the Jolly Road is going to be a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard tell. That and I blame you Americans for this. I'm sorry, but um, the heroine is going to be American. Yes, you may absolutely blame us for that. <laughs> and I'm like, why? Because American. Well, Melina had a very good explanation for it to do with you know getting a wider distribution. But I'm like, why? But I trust her, and she's doing the script, so yeah. I think it'll still be fabulous. Um, and many of her books have been on sale too. Finnegan and the Rock has been have on they? sale for a dollar ninety nine, and On the Jellicoe Road was on sale for a dollar ninety nine. So there's an effort on the part of her publisher in America to drop the price to get people to try her books. And she is so fabulous, and all her books except for the first one, which is looking for Ella Brandy. All the others will have a, um, a, uh, a satisfying, optimistic. 
romantic happy ending. Looking for Alibrandi's young adults, it's a little bit... A little bit darker? A little bit. Jellicoe like Road that. is an ugly cry book, though, right? Yes, and The Piper's Son. I awesome. cried from about page three up to the end, but oh my <laughs> God, if you love, um, like... I call them dickhead heroes. Yes, I yeah. understand exactly what you're so saying. So this, and, and you know, if you love new adults, so Tom is, I think, 21. It is, I just loved him so much, no matter how horrible he is to the love interest. He's an epic, great dickhead hero. Yes, and very much so. Uh, yes, so sobbing, got sobbing. You got some shit you need to work out. You should read that book. I was sobbing. And, but the wonderful thing is it's so good. I read it, and then I read it again, and I still cried wow. pretty much the whole book. That's a lot of crying. Yeah, it is a lot of crying. So what else are you reading right now that you were thinking is um, good? So I'm reading Nalini Singh's Rock Addiction. Yeah. Oh, I hope I got that title right. Well, yeah, we'll figure it out. I'll post the link to the book. So that's a, uh, a departure from her usual because it's new adult and very steamy. I've just finished Melanie Scott's Devil in Denim, which is a – it's – Football themed, but not players. So it's it reads to me like football or your your football, your football, gridiron football, your gridiron football, right? Because there's a lot of football. Is it football? It could be baseball. Some American sport. (laughs) Down (laughs) base. Oh, I can't remember now. I think it's football. Anyway, it's to do with it's. She's the daughter of the previous owner. Or the previous CEO, and she she had expected to sort of take over for her dad, um, but it turns out that the the team is in trouble financially, and so they needed somebody who had the funds to really um, sort of renovate renovate it, yeah, get better players. So the hero is the guy who basically buys in, um, and then he's in part he's in is it a partnership? It's not really a partnership. There are three of them. Um, so you can tell that the other books are going to be the other two. Right. So Mel Scott writes uh, under MJ Scott and she, 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 sorry, she also writes under MJ Scott and she writes urban fantasy and urban fantasy slash romance. So this is, I think, her first contemporary, which um, is very interesting. What um, did you think of them? What did you think of the Singh book and the Devil and Denim? So the Nalini Singh book um, it's kind of very strange to me because there are some bits where I, it it echoes her side changeling heroes, and I'm like, oh, that's a familiar phrase, and I'm yeah. sure that's in the side changeling. Um, or that reminds me of a character. Yeah, yeah. That's the way she'd describe a hero and side changeling. And the writing style, I think, is is quite different as well because it's contemporary. Um, but so, if you like her sexy writing, you will have no problems with this book. It is sexy from start to basically, I right. think, to finish. So there's a lot of nookie. A lot. Uh, any children in peril? I don't think so. I haven't finished it. I'm, I'm midway through, but I don't think... Okay. They don't leave the bedroom very often. So, <laughs> so, no. No. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. They just hump a lot. They do hump a lot. And then there are others coming out. Like Anna Campbell's got one coming out that I'm desperately trying to get a copy of. It's the Red Book. I'm trying to think if I've seen the cover because usually I remember there's the blue Anna Campbell and the yellow Anna Campbell. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen the red Anna Campbell yet. It's coming out. Is it When a Duke Dares? Uh-huh. Comes out uh, September, I think. See, I don't know because we get different covers to you. Yes, your covers are very different from ours. It's very she, funny. Yeah, she's still with HarperCollins here, but she's with Grand Central, Central. in the U.S. Yeah, in the US. yeah, yeah. 
So I'm looking forward to that one. Christina Brooke has one coming out as well. So these are the Aussie authors that um that I can't wait. And then Leah Ashton won the Rita. Yes, she did. Which is fantastic. So I've read a few of her um her categories, which I've enjoyed as well. No paranormals. It's a bit sad. I have not read a paranormal in a while. Yeah, I've no noticed. There's paranormalness that I'm like, oh, yeah. i got to read that. Well, the only ones I read are the ones I'm already reading. Mm-hmm. So the Nalini Sings. Well, really, just the Nalini Sing. <laughs> Do you like Janine Frost? I haven't tried her. She has a new sort of paranormal new adult style series. Um, the heroine is somehow able to foresee the end of the world or foresee alternate realms, and the hero has to stop her. And she's destined to oh. fulfill a specific role. And he is destined to stop her from fulfilling that role. And, of course, you know, love and sexy times. <laughs> but the cover is really striking. Well, you know, I'll be reading the ending first. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a fairy killer. Ah, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So that's basically it. And the only other paranormal I read is um, Mercy Thompson, which is kind of paranormal slash urban fantasy. Yeah. So have you ever wanted to come to you to the U.S. for a conference? Like, yes. Do you want to come to Romantic Times? Oh, my God. So um, uh, Gabby, who co-blogs at, um, yes. at um, Book Thingo, was at RT in New I Orleans. I know. I saw her. And I'm Gabby so and, uh, Rudy of and the Rudy Famous both. Shoes. I know. They were both at my blogger conference. So after that, I'm like, had dinner with Rudy and another friend. And I was like, tell me all about RT. She's like, it is so fantastic it's amazing yeah they were so tired because they just did everything <laughs> and at one point at one point gabby was like i'm being a bad australian i'm not hell hanging my liquor very well right now there's so much to get around here oh my god i'm gonna go out now it's like romance fans from australia in new orleans it's a really bad combo but i will tell you next year romantic times is in dallas and then the year after that, it's in Las Vegas. I've heard about Vegas, and I am so tempted. So I have started sowing the seeds for Vegas yes, within I... my family and socializing them into this idea that we might spend um, a bit of time in Vegas. Do you want to go by yourself, or are you going to bring a crew with you? I think if I go, I would... Um, I don't know. I would leave them somewhere. <laughs> you, will, you go, like, you yeah. won't see them. There's so much to I have do. told. I have told the family that you must give me the weekend because I... I I can't be managing two things. Nope. Because even, uh, so even Ara, I go to Ara and I basically say, you can come with me and stay at the hotel, but I cannot be with you during that weekend because yeah. I am just invested in this conference and it is the one, the one, I mean, Ara's once every two years. Yeah. But it's Vegas important. is very tempting and I've heard Gre- uh, Heather Graham's event is like, Unmissable. <laughs> Heather Graham's event at RT is pretty amazing because there is always a, a show, a performance at her dinner that she does with Helen Rosberg. The first year that I went to RT, there was a hanging complete with wow. a stop wire, like a guy was swinging and there's a little trip wire wow. actually being hung. I mean, who doesn't want to have dinner with a hanging, right? I mean, come on. The, the thing about RT that is better and better every year is that this is our Comic-Con. This is our Dragon Con. This is the, the romance fan convention, and it gets more fun and more interesting. And it's, it gets better because RT is also very eager to respond to what their audience wants. They want more blogger events next year. They want more blogger tracks about being a book blogger during the conference. They want more reader events because you guys run a blogger day. We run the day. blogger conference the day yeah. before. That was that was a purely out of a Twitter conversation. 
um, we were a bunch of us were saying one afternoon that we don't have an event that's just ours to talk about romance blogging, and I was like, we could do one the day before RT starts. So I emailed RT and was like, can I have a room to do a blogger conference? Sure, why not? <laughs> okay, sure. So Harlequin sponsored the cocktail party, and Jane and I sponsored the luncheon, and we had a half day conference about book blogging, and it was so great because we all got in a room together to talk about. What technology tools do we use? How can we better help each other organize what we do? What are the things that we're struggling with and we want to do better? Is that like a round table or is it a presentation? The first year it was a round table because there's 10 of us. This year there was right. close to 50. But it was very interactive. So 10 of you in the first year. Because I was thinking that we we should think about running something similar before ARA. Yeah. But the thing is the number of book bloggers, let alone romance book bloggers in Australia, is nowhere near the numbers you would get in the U.S. Well, our first year, it was just 10 people. But the following year, this year was much larger, in part because people had heard last year's was good, but also because it was in New Orleans and more people came. Yeah, well. It was a bigger conference (laughs) because New Orleans. Last year, it was in Kansas City, which was awesome. Kansas City has great barbecue, and I had a fantastic time. But I'd never been to Kansas City before. New Orleans, I've been to before, and I know that it's fun. But if you do have a blogger conference, even if you just do a half day where you have like a like a buffet lunch and then you sit and you have an hour about what you who you are and what you read and an hour about the technology that you use, one of the things that's most useful is that we all bring a tool or a tip or a plug-in that we use that we find really useful and we all talk about it. Because, you know, there's really very little reason for you to talk about all the things that you do every day until yeah. you realize, oh, are you having trouble with scheduling? This is how I schedule my site. Yeah. And I've heard of I've heard other bloggers who not necessarily book bloggers, mm-hmm. um, who've shared how they you know manage their schedule, how they manage social media, and those tips are really useful. Even though we're oh, not yeah. blogging about the same thing, the same stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And if you had an event like that, and it was open to bloggers in general with a specialty on books, you would get people who talk about books sometimes. You know, it's totally yeah. doable. Yeah. But I also think that one thing that is happening increasingly is that people who talk online are now more and more often finding time to meet in person. That we've gone from just having online friendships to bringing online friendships into real-life interaction. And it's more and more common to say, oh, hey, we're doing a thing. You should come and yeah. be a person with us, and it's normal. Be a person. You know, <laughs> the first time we had a blogger meetup, I, I was I was at work, and I was like, I've got to go now because I'm, 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 I've got to go at, at 6 o'clock. I'm meeting... <laughs> People from the internet, yeah. and seriously, everyone I, everyone I worked with turned around and said, "What? What?" <laughs> and I, I had to explain to them that yes, I I know these people. Yes. They're mostly women. I think it's fine. We're meeting at a public place, but they were really genuinely concerned. <laughs> yeah. I actually had someone come up to me here at the Australia Romance Writers and say, "What do you do when you you see someone that you know from Twitter? Do you like do you introduce yourself?" And I'm like, "Hell yes!" Because I talk to people on Twitter all day. Yeah. Like if I'm in the same room as someone that I speak to every day online, I totally want to introduce myself in person. That's my challenge in conferences is because is is that people that, that I know on Twitter as their Twitter handle. Oh yeah. They because. They we meet in real life and I feel bad because that you don't recognize yeah, them. Well, not I everyone has their. I don't have my face on my Twitter yeah. handle. I very rarely post pictures. Well, not of just that. I really suck at facial face to name yes. association. Like suck so bad. But 
I know at RT, the name badges can have your Twitter handle. They could do that here and make sure everyone has their Twitter handle. Or um, there's a blogger named uh, Linda who blogs as Fish with Sticks. She <laughs> made little buttons for people at RT yeah. that had your avatar and then your Twitter handle and your name so people would recognize your avatar and go, oh, oh, oh I talk to you all the time. I know you, yeah. And yeah. I had conversations like that at RT. You're so-and-so. Oh, now I know who you are. Because, you know, if your real name is like Ann Smith, then I know yeah. you as something completely different. But I'm not going to recognize In author that. conferences, you have the added um, problem of some authors come not in their author name, in yes. their real names. And you're like, I I give up. Yes. I don't know who you Too are. Too many names. <laughs> Just tell me a title. That's really the best I can do. <laughs> yeah. So you've been to Australian and U.S. conferences. Are yes. they very different? Yes. Very different. Well, Australia. We're more fun. <laughs> there's a much more open. We're all going to the bar. Yeah. Like, we, like it is almost a part of the conference that when the thing ends, everyone goes to the bar and the conference continues. Um, there's a lot less going out in smaller groups. Okay. The group isn't as large. I yeah. mean, RT was you know a couple thousand people. RWA is a couple thousand people. This is a much smaller group, like three or four hundred people. But there's less going out in smaller groups. Everyone sort of tends to hang together and hang out at the bar because Australia. The other thing is that the Australian writers know that they're not part of the biggest market. And one of the things that the conference focuses on is enlarging your market and reaching into the American market and the UK market. And they're totally different things. Even the way the books are packaged, you get different covers than we do. The things that are super popular here, like rural outback romance... That's a really hard sell in the yeah. States, and it doesn't penetrate, forgive me, very well, because... <laughs> You've been waiting to say I've that. I've been waiting to say that, yes, I have. It, it doesn't reach the American reader very well, because oh, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the things is that it's completely unfamiliar. Every aspect of that is unfamiliar, and so it's... Well, I was actually talking with somebody about this at lunch. How do you market outback romance to American readers? And I actually think that one of the tips would be to start with, it's a small-town, small town. rural romance... And don't even get to the Outback Australia part. Lead with the conflict. I think it's a fine tension because the thing, the very characteristics that appeal to Australian readers about Australian rural romance are the same things that would alienate a reader who is not familiar with Australia in general. We have very little cultural reference of the Outback aside from Outback Steakhouse, which is <laughs> oh allegedly Australian food. And here serves American food, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> and uh, Crocodile Hunter, Steve Irwin, right. and Paul Hogan. Like those. Oh, and now we have Hugh the, Jackman. Hugh please. Jackman is not an Outback guy. Well, He's yeah, a that's superhero. True. He's that's Wolverine. True. He did Australia. That was in the Outback. Nobody saw that. That movie was a flop. <laughs> Plus, we have Iggy Azalea, and we would like her to like mm. you to take her back. No, <laughs> you know, really, she has the number one and number two song on the chart for like months now. Every time I get in the p- car with my kids, I hear Iggy friggin' Azalea. I have the same and problem. For real, you please take her back, please. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. I'm going to cause a diplomatic incident if you don't take her back. And the thing is that Iggy Azalea pretty much illustrates the marketing point. She is a very tall, blonde, attractive woman who, when she raps, sounds like she's from Brooklyn or right. New Jersey or maybe the, the island. Then you hear her do an interview and you realize that she's Australian. It's like the fourth or fifth thing that you notice about her because she does think other things that are so familiar. Plus, she sounds like Eve and she sounds like Nicki Minaj. Like She has recreated a sound that is very familiar. And she does not sound Australian when she raps. So it's all of the familiar hooks then buried behind that is the fact that she's just, like a she six just foot, happens to be a just like a six foot tall Australian lady. Yeah, who does not sound Australian? You can have her back though. 
<laughs> so is, are there any rural romances you've read that you've enjoyed? Or have you, have, have you read many? I have not read many at all. Um, they can almost, they can, they're, they're sometimes hard for me to find because yeah. they, that's not what Amazon serves me and that's not the pitches that I get. It is more, um, if I'm p- being pitched an Australian set book, it is more likely a category set in a city. Okay. So like, can I just say you mm-hmm. can tell that that they're a real billionaire or millionaire in Australia if they have a parking space in the city. Really? It's like gold. And That's I like actually New York. read I read a book yeah, I read a book somewhere and I'm like I can tell this guy has made it because he does not have to worry about parking. Don't forget about this flash car. Forget about the traveling every week. If no. you have a car space that you're not whinging about paying for, it means you've got it. Made oh yeah, Sydney. that's the measure of wealth. Yeah, a, a car, a car parking space that you don't complain about paying for that is always yours <laughs> and it's probably right outside your building. Yes, or I'm in like, the building. That is. That doesn't happen in real life. In uh, in New York City, Jerry Seinfeld has a building that is houses all of his cars. So it's basically a building of parking. Oh God! Because he collects cars. That's when you know you maybe are a little bit too wealthy. <laughs> that is a whole level of wealth that I just am amazed by. I think Jay Leno does too, because I know Jay Leno collects cars, but he's out in LA. There's lots of space. In New York, it's like a narrow building filled with cars. It's do they have car elevators? Mm-hmm. Is that how they get them out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of parking garages where you leave the car and they put it in an elevator and they. Put it somewhere. Sometimes you'll see them out, like your car will be on a shelf up in the air. <laughs> like, I, I hope there's not a power outage because my car is not coming down. Oh, I can't yeah. drive it from up there. If there's a power outage, I am fucked. I don't think we. Well, we probably have them. I just have never been in any car. Yeah. Well, there's not a lot of tall things in Sydney aside from the Central Business District. Like you don't have. Well, so, that's true. You don't have like if you're driving out of New York, you'll run into smaller towns that'll have five or six, maybe a ten-story building. Here, okay. everything is very short outside the CBD. It's really interesting. Have you been to Melbourne? It's I even have. Short. Oh, it's they all short. They have a flat skyline. It's very short and yeah. cold, but they have trolleys, tram cars, trams, trams. Yeah, yeah, trams. But they're they are the same. Uh, cars that I grew up with in Pittsburgh when we had trolley tracks. Oh, One went yeah. by and I had this like deep memory of myself as a five-year-old getting on a trolley exactly like that. And I'm like, oh my God. In one way, that's a beautiful story. In another way, it's, it's really like sad. we are still using those same <laughs> those same trolleys. But they're very efficient and they totally work. The thing is, we have winter and the trolley tracks were hell in on the roads in is winter. Is that snowy winter? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. We had snowy winters. We don't have snow here. No, you at don't all. have snow. Actually, somebody showed me a picture of some snow in the Blue Mountains, and it had like brought the whole area to a stop. <laughs> and it was like somebody had spilled some powdered sugar on the. Deck. Oh, it was actually white. It wasn't yes. just frost. No, it was actually wow. white snow, but it was sort of like a sneeze. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas we had snow this year, and I was showing her pictures of my patio. Yeah, it was like I a saw meter and a half. Those. Yeah, I had a meter it's and like, a half. Where's of snow. the house? We, we lo- the chairs yeah. were. There was a wagon under there. We didn't see it till spring. So those romances where uh, the hero and heroine are snowbound. I love those. Oh my god. <laughs> I love, that's one of my favorite tropes, forced proximity, but forced proximity by di- by a disaster that isn't life-threatening. Right. Like if it's a hurricane, that's bad. If it's a tornado, that's bad. If it's a snowstorm, you just have to wait till it's done being snow, and then you can plow out. As long as you have food in the house. Right. You're so not you're stuck stop. in the house, you can't go out. If you have heat or you don't have heat, you build a fire, you stay near the warmth. You know, you're, if you're not in any major medical damage or in, in any great danger... You just wait till it's done. I love snowbound. Have you read um, Kinsale's, oh, I always get, uh, Seize the Fire? Is that no. the one where they have the, 
Olympia and Olympia is sees the fire. Thad has um. Are they stuck in the snow? No, in a deserted island. No, with the cranky hero. Cranky hero, deserted island. Best deserted island. You like deserted Uh, islands and cranky heroes. I do. Who are your favorite cranky heroes? Like who are the? Do you have a folder of cranky heroes? No, but I just love them. So Suzanne Enoch had a series where there were a lot of cranky. I call them the House MD heroes. They're really cranky. They're they're like house. Also, they're injured somehow. You must like the Eloisa James where she was openly making a Regency house. Which one was that? Oh hell of our. But I love Eloisa James generally anyway. So the answer is probably yes. Yes, but anyway. Um, And then I think uh, so. Kinsale. So that hero can't even remember his name. That hero in that Kinsale was it Sheridan. Um, no. Sheridan, and then St. Maitland, who is the uh, the the guy from um, Prince of Midnight. I loved him as well. He was cranky. also very cranky. Kinsale writes cranky emo angsty heroes who cover. We need more Kinsales. Where cranky. are the Kinsales? But my favorite is Shadowheart, which I know many readers have a problem with. Is that Allegretto? <laughs> yeah, he's a little cranky. He's a little something, something. <laughs> <laughs> He's many things. Yes. Um, but Why I is he your love him. Why? So, okay, let me... I think the reason he's not a favorite for many people is because he his story actually starts in the book about um, um, Melianthe. Oh, what's her name? Is that Melianthe? So the, um, the one with the virgin hero, the, the hero who didn't have sex for 13 years. He wasn't a virgin. But he thought his wife had, had joined the convent and was still alive. So he couldn't sleep with anyone because he, he believed in monogamy. Yeah. So so that wasn't Allegretta. Allegretta was like an assassin. Yeah. Um, but I think if you hadn't, if you don't read that book and you read Allegretta's book, you won't understand a lot of the subtle things about his character that is in his book. And I just recently um, listened to the audiobook with um, Nicholas Bolton. How did you like it? Did well, first like of all, Nicholas Bolton, he could read me anything and it would be like, <laughs> would keep be her, right. keep her. <laughs> yeah. But I loved it so much. I'm like, this is the most perfect romance book I know. I, and, and, and anyone who says otherwise is completely wrong. <laughs> um, and I know people, it, and it even, okay, it has, uh, it, it has a rapey scene. It, it really <clears throat> is rape because the heroine was like, well, I didn't really want that. Yeah. And that wasn't particularly nice. Yeah. Um, and then it's also got a bit of femdom where she kind yeah. of scratches his penis. It's, it's It sounds bad out of context, but when Nicholas Bolton <laughs> tells you the story, you're like, yeah, like, more. Scratching harder, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, I just think it's just, it's, it's a combination of, you know, it's the dark, angsty, broody hero. Right. Which is, you know, very popular with many readers. But an a lot of readers have a problem with the heroine because they say, oh, she's too naive, you know, she knew nothing and now she's trying to lead a country. But to me, this it's a heroine who, the whole book, she's basically fighting for agency, the entire book. Right. She's like, uh, you know, um, in the beginning she has a crush on this guy and she kind of thinks that they might get married. So she, you know, that's what she wants to do. She lets him kind of grope her, even though she knows it's kind of wrong, but it's pleasurable. Um, <clears throat> when when Allegretto gets her, it, it, she's like struggles. The whole book, yeah. she's like, this isn't good enough for me. I want something more. And even the whole thing of, you know, um, I want a better country. She's like she she's like the heir, to sort of throne. heir to a throne. Um, 
and even though she knows nothing about running the country, she's like, you know, I've read the, 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 the writings of my grandfather and this was his ideal and why can't we have this country? What? And it, to me it's like, you know, this is the way a woman would run this country. Right. We would not be, you know, plotting to kill other people. We would be trying to make um, people's livelihoods, uh, we'll try to improve people's lives. And I'm like, this is amazing. Why can't people see how amazing this is? Like, and the other thing I love about it is it's medieval and the, the effect of religion is so heavy on these characters and it is so true because I grew up in a Catholic country. I grew up in the Philippines and it's not only Catholic, it's a superstitious culture. So, yeah, because you're merging other cultures and other right. religions into Catholicism. In the right. Because Catholicism was within the last couple hundred years. Well, right? the Spanish colonized us in the I'm really bad at history time. So way back <laughs> in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it has these sort of tribal aspects that mm-hmm. they've kept. And then the, the, the very, actually quite hardcore Catholicism that they practice. Yes. And to me, this whole medieval, you know, the, the, Towards the end, the big problem was that Allegretto had been an assassin and he hadn't confessed and he'd been excommunicated by the Pope and he was literally scared to step in a church. He thinks that every time he steps in a church, he'll be struck by lightning or like he, he will die. He yeah. will die or someone, like there will be bloodshed because God hates him and does not want him in his house. And so the heroine, uh, and, and so they're kind of not officially married by the church. So because they um, had sex, the heroine is kind of um, in mortal sin. And so he wants her to confess so that she'll go to heaven. He doesn't care. You know, he, he knows he can't go to heaven. So finally he, um, he, he gets his excommunication um, reversed. But he's like, but the Pope was completely mad when he did it. He was like crazy. He was doing all these crazy things. I don't think he was speaking for God. So I don't think I'm really back in the church. I think I'm still excommunicated. And the heroine's like, I am not going to confession until you go to confession because I would rather be in hell with you than in heaven. And I'm like, oh, my oh God. God. <laughs> <laughs> so that whole thing to me, I don't know how it plays to readers who are not Catholic or who aren't in that sort of tradition of Catholicism. But when the you've thing, grown I'm up like, in that rigid culture. This is so true and it is so powerful to me. Oh. So it is the best book. It is the best book. Have you read it? I have not. Oh. Well, I'm glad you haven't and you didn't hate it no. because then I'd, be, I'd have yeah. talked about it for 20 minutes. I love, no, I love listening to people talk about books that they love that I didn't like because it's not like I'm the final word. If I didn't like something, it was because of me. But listening to someone talk about a book that they loved, even if I didn't like it, is always fascinating Well, to Flowers me. from the Storm is the one, is Kinsale that I really don't understand. Um, and I read it on audiobook and Nicholas Bolton is magic because I was like, now I understand this guy. I see now what he's doing. I still don't like him. I still yeah. think he's a major he, dickhead. He starts off so far down in the negative that it takes a lot to believe that he has redeemed. There's one scene in that book, though, that I just adore because it just it was so, so much kindness. The hero was sitting with some guys, and they were plotting, and they were talking about trying to keep Maddie safe. And, you know, his speech is very limited, and all of the men start echoing his speech patterns. So they all start talking like him to communicate with him that they understand what he's saying and they use his language. And they're all men who are far, far below his station, but he needs their help. 
And the, the kindness that they show to each other and the way that they talk has stuck with me. Like that scene sticks in my mind so much because it was one of those oh, moments. It's those subtle things that yes. get, you know. And so it, powerful. I think, you know, did, did, did Kinsale, did this just come out of her? Did this come in the first draft, in the fourth? Like, I'm so interested in how she layers her stories because there is so much to it. And Tessa Dare wrote um, a, a, a hero that was, I think, going blind, almost blind. And the the sort of climax of that book was also that he had to pass a sanity, uh, a sanity uh, sort of inquiry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved, and I was like, if I compare that to the Kinsale, they're very different things, but they're also very similar things. Mm-hmm. And it, it, this is one of those you can tell this the same story in two completely di- different ways. Oh yeah, and they 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 will be enjoyed. Um, oh yeah, in different ways. There's some authors who will talk about how they wrote a book because they wanted to do their version of a book that they had loved. So if the if the trope of a of a historical that they adored when they were younger was um, you know the tragic misunderstood heroine and the, the guy who comes and sees her for who she is. They're going to write their version of that trope, and it's going to be the same basic character problem in a completely new way. I love that. Well, well that's, that's how romance flourishes, right? Yes, because we are reinventing these characters that we love and the tropes that we love and the tension that we love. And it's all... The, the romances that I love best are the ones with a lot of internal conflict. So that's what I love to listen to. So people like... Um... Oh, I'm so bad at names. Starts with a C. Cecilia Grant. Oh yes. The Quiet Stories. Oh, quiet but I love those too. Quiet Stories are the best. I actually read a book on the plane over, and I have to write a review. It's called Attachments by Rainbow Rowell. Oh, I haven't read her. Well, she wrote Fangirl, which like made my heart explode. I loved it so much. Which is about a young woman who goes to college with her twin and is completely emotionally unprepared for college and at the very last minute her twin says I'm not rooming with you I need to be on my own and so she's alone without her support and with a stranger and in a college and she doesn't know what she's doing but she is a very famous fan fiction writer and she has been creating a a fan fiction about a very similar to Harry Potter world but it's a slash fic and so her negotiating the fan world and the real world is part of the story it's so good then there's Eleanor and Park, which won the Prince Award. Which That's was... the one that I was thinking of reading because it has an Asian hero. Yes, it does. But I've also read some problems with it, the way that this hero is portrayed, and I'm like, I don't know whether that's the best one to start with. But I don't know if that book ends happily. Oh, okay. With attachments. I, I read it on the plane. It was so good I was trying to fight the sleeping medicine that I had taken, so I keep <laughs> reading it. In Attachments, there, there's two women who work at a newspaper, and it's set in 1999, and they had just gone on the internet, and they were told, you're not allowed to use it for personal purposes, but they email each other. And there's a guy named Lincoln on the night shift who's been hired to manage security, and basically oh. his job is to manage sure that people aren't using the internet for nefarious things. Um, it, it is a perfect capture of the time when all of a sudden, like, the internet is in our workplaces and we don't actually have to do our work. And there's a <laughs> yeah. line in there about how all of us, it, the bosses hated it because all of a sudden it was impossible to tell when someone was diligently doing mm. their work or taking a what kind of dog are you quiz. Yeah. Like, you could not tell anymore. And so Lincoln is reading their email late at night. And because they're using terms that are flagged, it ends up in a particular piece of software. Okay. With anyone else who ends up in that software, he's supposed to send them a warning. But he doesn't send them a warning because he really likes them and he likes their friendship and he likes to get to know them quietly. He's very shy. He works the night shift. He's big into Dungeons and Dragons. He has a very specific routine in his life. 
and he had a horrible breakup that he's not gotten over because of the way that his um, his ex-girlfriend had treated him and he has to grow and change but he's falling in love with one of the women as he watches their correspondence and they don't they don't know he's doing it it's so quiet Part but non creepy no. cuz that has the potential to it be has very the potential problematic to be very creepy and he's aware of it and okay. he's really conflicted about the fact that he shouldn't be doing this he shouldn't go up and try to figure out what what desk is hers he shouldn't try to meet her but he just he thinks that she is so incredible and he admires her and he admires her friend and oh god it's so good but it's so quiet and sweet and by the time it gets to the end i was just like oh, oh tingles cuz so i love the quiet books like that the excruciatingly beautiful books right mm-hmm. yeah and cause... especially because it's half of their half of it is they're emailing each other so half of it is epistolary and oh. then the other parts from lincoln's point of view are just third person so you have this wonderful intimacy of their letters to each other and i happen to love epistolary novels and novels based on email i love that it's a it's a it's a very direct first person intimacy that i find much more natural than a first person point of view which doesn't right. bother me as much as it bothers some people and it allows different different POVs yes. as well yes and it allows you to see people talking to each other in a way that's not dialogue i must say though i'm very critical if i read uh, email dialogue and i'm like it's not how people talk in email, seriously. There is one Meg Cabot book, and I think it's The Boy Next Door, where they are emailing each other through most of the book, and there's a moment, like a dramatic climax, that somebody's, and she's in the stairwell with her laptop sending an email, and she says something like, the door upstairs just opened, I have to go, and I'm like, nobody types <laughs> that, they stand up and run, yeah, and right. then later they finish it, they don't actually stand there and type out the action and then run, so that one moment was exactly what you were saying. I was like, no, 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 that's not real. But I understand you had to fit it within the construction of the story. But, you know, if you just cut it off with like yeah. a, in the middle of something, you're like, oh, shit. what the hell yes. happened there? So I do have one other question. Yep. You listen to the podcast in the car. I do. With your kids. I do. And your kids listen to the podcast as well. They love the podcast. So they're going to listen to you on the podcast in your car with you. They think it's amazing. <laughs> And they're going to get very cranky because I'm going to have to... I say a few bad words. So either, either I'm going to turn it down and they'll get cranky with me for censoring it or they'll hear it and they'll go, Mommy, you said a bad word. <laughs> a bad word. So what do they like about the podcast? Aside from I'm like, hey, what's up to catch th- kids in the car? Honestly, I think they love it when you laugh. <laughs> they just think it's the most hilarious <laughs> thing. Honestly, they do. <laughs> now I'm going to be self-conscious. <laughs> tears coming out of my eyes right now oh dear and they're like mommy why do they talk to each other why how can we so they have many questions <laughs> now i'm like i've been delegated to help them podcast oh I'm like, That's i want to listen to their podcast so we've recorded a few things and they're so they're really bossy <laughs> they're really bossy they're like we have to talk about a website. So you need to set up a website. <gasps> what about email? How do we email people? Have you emailed me Sarah yet to tell her all the books that we love? Can we record something? Because she said we can record something instead of email. I'm like, oh, oh. this is like going to be two days of my life. I have to edit these things. So, but we have begun. But as you know, I think we recorded, I recorded something, that a chat of ours like 
two genre years, con, which is two, two years, years ago. ago. I have not edited that. Oh, and there kids. is actually one kids recording even before that. I think it was a Julia Quinn one. And I think that was the year before or early in that year. I'm like, oh, I've got to edit that. So, so what are the questions that they have about podcasting? Uh, they just want to know how do you do it? Where do you put it? How, did, how, how come I can hear it on my phone? Oh, well, that's really easy. Yeah. I record a Skype conversation with Jane, and we meet on we meet on Skype, and I press record. And then I edit it so that we don't sound, like, completely dumb. And then when I save it as an MP3, MP3s are so small, they can go anywhere. But I will tell you something cool I learned. MP3s exist because of Star Trek. Oh. Is that not cool? Okay, so I was listening to a book on tape about the invention of things, and one of the guys who created the programming to develop MP3s was watching Star Trek. And there's a, the next generation. And there's a scene where Data is listening to a symphony, and he has all of his music with him. And he's sitting and listening to a symphony, and it's in perfect audio quality. But at that time, to compress an audio mm. file, it was a huge file. I mean, you remember you get like a CD and there'd be like 10 songs on it and take up the whole song? Like the yeah. whole CD was 10 songs. Now you put 10 songs in a CD, and it's like, that's it. You I got put it in a USB. I know, that. right? So the guy who was watching it was like, I wonder if there's a way to compress music without losing the quality down to a very small file size. So he invented the MP3 in part because he was inspired by the idea of traveling through space with all of the music that had ever been recorded in history. And there's a really great book by um, Bill Bryson called Home where he goes through his home and talks about how that each room of your home has evolved through time and different purposes. And so, you know, there used to not be a second floor to homes because you couldn't heat them. One of the things he talks about is how even a few hundred years ago, if you heard a piece of music, it was because someone came to your town and performed it. There was no way to record music. It was a very transient idea. So if you heard a piece of music, you would be lucky in your life to ever hear it again or even hear more than two. And so most music that you heard was at church. And if you heard a piece of classical music, it was probably one of 10 songs that the local musicians knew. You didn't hear a symphony, you didn't buy a song. And the fact that you can buy any sound that you want, whether it's a podcast or a piece of music, you can have whatever sound you want with you anytime is so cool. Kind of feel emotional. I know. That. Isn't that I'm amazing? Like, try to imagine a life where you could only hear music once in a while. Yeah. And you could never hear it again. Yes. Possibly. Because, because they all left else, town to yeah. go to the next town. Yeah. And if you heard music, it was the music that was uh, you've already always heard because those are the musicians who lived with you. Or they, you know, if you live in a village where you go to church, you just hear the hymns. And the hymnals weren't that big. So, you, you know, I can hear any piece of music that I want at any time. On demand. Whenever I want. Like, it's so amazing. And sometimes it's Iggy. Is he? Iggy. 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 You can have her back. <laughs> I mean that. It's okay. We'll, 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 I will even put her in business I don't know if we class. want her back. No, you can have her back. She's all yours. Really. We're keeping Hugh Jackman, but you can have Iggy. <laughs> no, no, you can't keep yes. Hugh, Matt, Hugh Jackman. We're keeping we Hugh had Jackman. Him, and you can't keep Keith Urban either. <laughs> We're taking can, him back. You can have Keith Urban because he goes with Nicole Kidman and they should be happy. Yes. But, um, no, we're keeping Hugh Jackman, giving you back Iggy's alien. You can't keep Hugh Oh, and Jackman. the Helmsworths. We're keeping them. The Helmsworths. They're, they're ours now. But he's Thor, for God's sake. Actually, he belongs mm. to Scandinavia. No. Isn't Thor going to be a woman now? Yes, Thor is going to be a woman. In the I think in the... The next one? Yeah. So Natalie Portman won't be the next one? No. No. I have to admit, I fell asleep in the second. 
I heard it was not as good, but you know, I have young boys, they're six and eight, and so I have a feeling that a long marathon of all of the Marvel movies in order is in my future, starting mm. with Captain America and the Incredible Hulk, because they build on each other up to the Avengers, and then after the Avengers, the superhero individuals continue, and so my kids have seen some of them. I think we're going to have to start in the beginning and start watching all of it, them. I find it a bit, a bit of a challenge, because, the, you know... Those movies, I think, are geared towards people who've been reading the comics for a very long time. So they're actually geared towards people our age. And my kids want to watch them mm-hmm. because they're superheroes. But they don't quite get the storylines. Well, some of those movies just are not appropriate no. for them at their they're age. Very and I'm like, I'm mild. sorry, you can't. So they've seen The Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. So I have to vet them. And I'm like, I'm not sure if you can see the second one. I have to watch it first. Yes. So some movies they've seen the first another second one. Yeah, so yeah. I think it was um I think uh um the one with Hugh Jackman. What is it? Oh, Wolverine. The no, the the, the other one. <laughs> the one where he's with a team. <laughs> with Jean Luc Picard. Oh, X-Men. <laughs> X-Men. He's still oh Wolverine God. in the X-Men. Yeah, 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 he's yeah, just yeah. with the X-Men. So he they could watch I think they could watch the first, but they couldn't watch the second or the third. Cuz it was too violent. It was, we felt it was too violent and the the way people were killed was very graphic. personal and graphic. So yeah. we're like, it's really, and you know, my my poor son, he he'll be embarrassed if I talk about this. But um, he and he accidentally watched Doctor Who once, and I thought, well, Doctor Who, how bad can it be? Oh my god, that shit! And is he scary. had nightmares about the Daleks for about a week. Oh, he's no. like, mommy, I can't sleep because of Doctor Who, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I no, dude, he is not alone in that. When I first watched, even the first episode. With, with with the mannequins that come to life, I was like so creeped out. Yeah. That shit is part of me. Scary. Because I hadn't watched it, so I thought oh. it was just kind of like sci-fi an action adventure. sci-fi. Yeah. You know that... Uh, yeah, talk to people about the angels. Bel- oh, I've heard Bel- about Bel- the angels. Everyone the- says, what a- wait till you see the angels. I'm like, I don't know what they are. I'm no, you don't want to. <laughs> but the, the, the don't blink, oh my gosh. It, it'll scare the poodle out of you. The chicken out of it. The chicken out That's, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Different chicken. Different chicken. <laughs> and that's all for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kat. Hello to Kat's kids. I know you're listening. Your mom is really nice and you shouldn't scold her for saying bad words because sometimes grown-ups say bad words. It's just a thing that happens and it'll happen when you're older too. Don't worry. This podcast was brought to you by Signet Eclipse publisher of Hillbilly Rockstar, the new blacktop cowboys novel from New York Times bestselling author Lorelai James. I will have information in the podcast entry about where you can buy this book and links to all of the other books and audiobooks we discussed during this episode. I think that might be the thing that takes the longest at this point because, you know, I don't want you to miss out on buying a book you heard about that you want to read, right? That's kind of the whole point. The music that you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. This is Sassy Outwater. This is Sassy on the harp. I don't know if she composed this or she made it up or she's just doing things randomly or if this is a piece of music she already knows, but this is called Rumba. And actually the file is called Rumba for SB. So I'm going to assume it's the smart bitches Rumba and that's Sassy Outwater performing. I don't have her permission to make the file available for download, but I'll ask her. And if I can, then I'll put it up because it's kind of cool, right? It's totally awesome. If you have questions or ideas or things you want to suggest or you want to ask Kat or Kat's kids a question, you can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can leave us a message at our Google Voice number, 1201371-DBSA. Don't forget to give us your name and where you're calling from so we can include your message in an upcoming podcast. 
Like I said in the beginning, next week we're taking the week off because travel and travel and also some travel. But we'll be back and we have more young reader recommendations. So if you would like to continue to recommend books for your young readers, I and my almost nine and almost seven year old will all be very grateful. I will be broke, but we will all be reading awesome things because you have all the best ideas. So we'll be continuing with young readers. And if you have suggestions of things you'd like us to talk about, let us know. In the meantime, on behalf of Kat and Kat's kids and Jane and myself, we wish you the very best of reading. See you in two weeks.